This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation, here today in part two of Navigating SEC Regulations. Today we're going to cover kind of a hot topic, and that is, can I pay somebody to help me raise capital for my real estate deal? And as I mentioned at the end of the last podcast, the short answer is no. Not unless you're a licensed broker-dealer. And people try these workarounds all the time. Sometimes the promoters will give somebody, give the fundraiser like a piece of the ownership that owns the investment. Okay, there there might be a workaround there, but I'll, which I'll get into. That's a little gray. But the typical, hey, if you raise a million dollars, I'll give you 20%. Can't do that. Hey, I'll give you a car. Can't do that. Hey, I won't give you a percentage per se, but let's just say you're hourly, pay you hourly to do this. No, can't do that. Basically, anybody that's helping raise capital has to be involved in the investment. And it has to be more than just an introduction. Like, hey, here's my cousin Bob. He's rich. No, it doesn't work like that. They have to own part of the investment, be a co-promoter. Basically, be a part of the general partnership, the GPP, in order to be issued in what's called an issuer exemption. And then they can be compensated. So, I mean, people ask this kind of question all the time. I see it online. I have been offered this several times. Hey, you want to do a piece? You, you, you know people. You want to raise money for us? We'll give you a piece. It's like, yeah, I'm not going down that way, guys. And this is, and unlike some other rules, like I mentioned on my Dodd Frank podcast, like the the Dodd Frank didn't really have a big enforcement mechanism to get people out there selling homes on paper. So people do it all the time. You're not supposed to. People do it all the time. This is different. In the SEC world, they got guys and gals who are literally all they do. They're trained and paid to go chase bad actors in this, and they hit them with both financial and criminal penalties. So it's pretty pretty steep. So if you're out there, you're saying, hey, can I just pay somebody commission? No, I'm not unless they're a licensed broker-dealer. Um, is it expensive and painful to become a licensed dealer? Yeah. So I'm not recommending you go be a licensed broker-dealer. You either work with one and pay them, or you just don't break the rules. And, you know, people say, well, what if it's family and friends? Still no. I mean, if it's like me and my dad, we have some projects together where it's just we're sitting around the table, and we say, yeah, we're going to start an LLC. We're going to buy this mobile home park. We can do that. But we can't do it if it's like me and dad and my, my cousin Frank, and we say, hey, Frank, you're going to kick in a million bucks. We're going to do the work. We're going to split the profits half and half. That's a syndication. Because guess what? Frank's not doing the work. He has limited power, limited effort. He's putting in capital. We're doing the effort. We're getting paid indirectly, in this example, by getting more membership units. We can't do that. You know, can I just hire them? Can I hire cousin Frank to raise money on me? Probably not. I mean, if their job is raise capital, that's what they're being paid for. You can't. That's the same difference. It's paying them commission. Now, my, my chief investment officer, Logan, is Logan going to be out there raising capital for our deals? Yeah, but that's not his sole job function. His job function is to run the P&Ls, run the investor reports, run the narratives, look at bank recs, underwrite deals, negotiate with banks, negotiate with buyers. Yeah, he's going to raise capital just like I do. It's an ancillary part of our job. It's important, but it's not the, it's not the job function. Um, you know, like my job, I'm CEO of the company. My job is to run the company. I don't get compensation or a bigger piece of the deal if I raise a bigger piece of the equity. Okay, so um, that's the way you should um, to do it in general is don't pay somebody. So like Logan and I were partners on some deals and Dad and, and Andy and some other guys are in some deals on the, on the general partner. Yeah, we've all, we're all part of the PPM as part of the promote team. And 
none of us have a specific job duty of raising capital. It's like we all raise capital, or none of us raise capital. Somebody's got to. We all do. We put in our own capital. But it's it's um, the, all of us are in the GP, the sponsor. So if you got somebody out there that wants a piece of the deal, wants to raise capital, they have to be in the GP, and that typically means. You know, depending on their share of ownership, they have to either sign recourse debt or if it's an agency loan, they have to sign bad way carve-outs. And, and they, they have to actually be working the deal, be working on the deal before closing, after closing. They can't just be a capital raiser guy. So I, I know I'm being a, kind of a wet blanket here, but it's kind of part of my purpose out here as a lawyer is to tell you what you can and cannot do. And sometimes you don't get the answer you want. So the short answer, again, is can I pay someone to help me raise capital? No, no, not unless they're a licensed broker dealer. Now, are there are there is there are there changes on the horizon? Well, maybe. Um, SEC has put out some some comments or some opinions that they want to put some exemptions in place. I mean, recently they relaxed the standards um, of accredited investor to include people with certain educational pedigree, like getting your Series Seven license through FINRA, and there's some other ones. I think it's 65 and. I don't remember, 7, 16, 65. I used to have my 6 and 63, but I don't think those are gonna, those would even qualify me. Um, I, don't, I don't use them anymore, so I don't, I don't even remember which ones were which, frankly. But some of the other exemptions that are coming, they're, they're talking about having a, a Tier 1, Tier 2 finders, um, and this would be exception. Basically, a tier, tier 1 finder could you know be involved in a single transaction over a 12-month period. But they can still cannot talk to or communicate in any way with the potential investor about the investment. Okay, basically that's like a referral or an introduction. So it can't be somebody's doing this big picture. It can't be doing this on a lot of deals. And again, these exceptions are not approved. They're like being discussed. A tier two finder would be more have more freedom, but also be have more restrictions requirements. You know, they could solicit investors, but it'd have to be limited to things like identifying, screening, contacting potential investors distributing issuer offering materials, discussing issuer information included in any offering materials, okay, and arranging potential meetings with the issuer. Basically, this person could do the grunt work and introduce them to me as if I'm the promoter, but they're not quite the promoter. And again, these are not these are not approved yet. These are just proposed rules, so don't hang your hat on those. So overall, the answer is you can't pay somebody referral fee, commission, etc. to introduce you to capital. Potential loopholes if the person is truly part of the general partnership piece of the syndication. And then the silver lining is maybe, maybe there's going to be some some rule adjustments and, and exceptions or changes coming down the pike. But for today, be safe, be smart, and don't pay somebody to raise capital for you. Do it yourself or maybe do start smaller and just do your own deals and don't syndicate. Or if you're in MHP space, you know you can do assignments, or wholesales. A lot of people do that. I've got several episodes on how to do that. I've got clients and, and contacts that do that stuff all the time. Um, assign deals. If you do want to look at the home, if you do want to look at the PPM stuff and the, the 506B, 506C regs, I've got some links on my website, themhplawyer.com. They can get you started on that. If you if you want to engage us to do that. But like anything, you know, do your due diligence on everything, including hiring a law firm. Um, hiring a law firm is an important decision. should not be based on advertising. Um, and if you do hire a law firm or somebody else to help with it, make sure they actually have done these before. You don't really want to be somebody's first client on this, uh, frankly, 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 on anything. But anyway, uh, that's a little bit more on syndications. Got a multi-part series here. Uh, until next time. 
Take care, be smart, God bless. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.